You are listening to the Poker Zoo, a podcast brought to you by poker coach Persuadio. For his own students, friends, members of the back room, and anyone else who would like to listen in, we are glad you decided to join us. You can find us at persuadio.nl or just do a search for Poker Zoo. We are also on iTunes, all the Android aggregators, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you would like to find us. I think we are on all of your favorite podcast aggregators. Took a week off, went to Tampa, Florida, Sarasota. Played at uh, Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa and then over at One-Eyed Jack uh, north of Sarasota. Ate at uh, ate a delicious meal at Burns Steakhouse, one of the best in the country, supposedly, and it did not disappoint. Came home, smoked some beef ribs and sausage, uh, so we are eating high on the hog this week. Other than that, life has been pretty normal, except for Persuadio's controversial rating of all the current poker podcasts. You're going to want to check that out on his site. After writing that, he's probably banned from any future poker meetups of the uh, poker elite. This week's interview is with social media darling Fausto. So enjoy the conversation between Persuadio and Fausto. Well, welcome back to the Poker Zoo. We are returning today to a previous guest, and I'm thrilled to have on poker coach and professional Fausto Valdez. Fausto, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Well, I'm all right, uh, but you know, I'm not that important. But but you're suddenly the the star of a whole new life, and we want to hear about it. <laughs> Go ahead, ask me. <laughs> Wow, well, you know, you've you've moved from the East Coast, where you know, not just the East Coast, but from New York and and, and the grind uh, of Sands, which now you're probably nostalgic about, and uh, the Borgata, which I know you love more than oh, anything. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there's some there's some guys, you know, with seat change buttons waiting for you, and they don't know where you are. Tell <laughs> us, tell us about what's happened. You've moved to L.A. You're you're with your girl, so that's two serious things. You've created a coaching site. And now you're playing poker in the poker capital of the world. Where do you want to start? What, what, tell us about your life. I guess I'll comment on the sea changing thing. That is so funny you mentioned that because I have not seen that once. Actually, yesterday I saw it. But it's like one in like, I don't know, 10, 15 sessions I've had here in L.A. so far. And it's just a completely different world out here. And I freaking love it. Well, of course. You've, you're in the paradise of California uh, life is good. People are happy. They don't have to be itching their butts to move and scramble around all the time. I bet they even play like seven-handed sometimes, right? Yeah, like nobody complains, man. Like it's. I, I was telling everybody, like coming from New York, like I was so skeptical on how everybody's so relaxed and calm out here. Like, is it like really this calm and good out here? Like, I, I'm like so skeptical. Like, I'm waiting for something crazy bad to happen. Just so it could be like normalized or something. It will. It will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, like that, like nobody complains at the table. Everybody's chill. Like people getting stacked left and right. Like games are wild, like consistently. Like I've only had like two tight games. Like, and I started offering people like bounties to play like five hands in a row and they get a cash reward that I was going to pay. Like we get nothing in return. Um, but other than that, like, other than that, like <laughs> I, I didn't have, know you I, did that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, man. Like I was like I I did like an incentive progress. I'm like, all right, you play three hands in a row, you get 15 bucks. 
five hands in a row, I bump it up to 50 bucks, you know? And it's like, you know, let, wow. let's get shit going. Um, that is that is good. I mean, that is that is smart stuff. I hope people are paying attention to you there. Yeah, take it. Now, now, this is uh, this is we'll start with this then. You're in L.A. Fausto, for the, those of you who don't know, this is for those of you who this is too cold of an open. Uh, <laughs> Fausto is a uh, professional two five five ten level player. Is that about what right? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, um, he coaches, and uh, this is his life. And uh, now he's in L.A. Which casino are you playing at or which casinos? I'm disappointed in the bike, um, but I'm playing mostly at Hustlers and maybe Commerce now. Like, I played a 510 last night. It was insane. Um, but, yeah, Hustlers and, uh, and um, Commerce. Okay, let's start with the good one. Uh, tell, us, tell us about the Commerce. Tell us about your wild game. I heard you won a lot, like, within the last 48 hours or something yeah it was insane um well two days ago i was at the hustlers and like i had an hilarious moment where this older asian man decided to drink a whole bottle of red wine and he was just blasting off and <laughs> it was hilarious and he started going into like um drinking like beer mixing beer like he had three four beers the floor was telling him like hey you said this is the last one and he's like yeah 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 and just gives him a thumbs up and continues chugging his beer i'm like oh my god um and after like eight hours he literally donated like maybe five six k worth of binds at two five gave it to everybody and i'm the only smart one so like keep doubling him up i just couldn't beat him um <laughs> So I lost big that day. And then yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, I played 510 at the Commerce, and I just ran like God. For whatever reason, people were just looking at me and saying, like, yeah, you look aggressive. You know, like, I was playing aggressive, but it was like they just put it in their mind that, like, yeah, this guy knows, like, look, he, he might know a little something, something. And I just kept making hands and just kept shoving into me. And I'm like, okay, man. So I ran it up to like I bought it for fifteen hundred. I ran it up to like almost ten k, but then I lost a forty five hundred dollar pot. So that brought me down a little bit. But still had a massive session. Like after that, it was just insane. Like people just kept shoving into me. I, I don't know why, man. It must be my beard or my face or something. I don't know. You you know you look uh, <laughs> you look shifty. You look I, like I, you're, you're yeah. trouble, and they want to get they they want to get rid of you. They feel the New York. They sense it. Well, it's yeah. Like... <laughs> I don't know. You don't. Yeah, I know you. You don't. You just. You're not enough of an asshole to seem really New Yorky. But yeah, probably they. They know. They just know. Poker players are smart. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers at this moment. Okay. Uh, so you play at the Hustler. You like the Commerce. But then you you drop this bomb on me. You don't like my favorite LA casino, the Bike. What's going on? It's been surprisingly very tight in there. I expected more. I mean, I love, like, the atmosphere. Like, pe people are, like, still cool and, like, friendly and everything. The casino's nice. So they have a Starbucks in there, like, right next to the room, which is amazing. Um, food is great. Like, everything is great. It's just the, the, the games are just tight, you know? Like, even, like, there's a tournament series happening right now. And, like, I went, and, like, it was better than normal. But, like, it's still, like surprisingly very tight um so maybe it's just the time i'm going maybe it just happens to be right now the volume i'm putting in you know i'm obviously going to keep trying i want to play on the stream one day so you know make some moves here and there but 
so far the other places where it's at right now, man. Well, you know, that's what they say. I'm not saying that the bike is the, the most action place. I just I just like the chips, frankly. <laughs> that's all. Really? I don't like the chips. They're they're like um almost like the Borgata chips, but without the suction cup. Well, um yeah, but I'm like traumatized by the Borgata and I like those chips now. That's that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's like remotely better than the Borgata it's it's, it's a godsend. Or Borgata special. Well, it's just, you know, people like me and a lot of us, we're just so predictable. We're like, we go we go to a place and we complain. We see all the bad things about it, but then take it away. And it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of missed that. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I'm heading back to the Borgata this year. It might be the honeymoon with me might be over. But, uh, you know, I'll miss it. I'll, I'll miss all those those crazy fuckers. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, you know, you aren't just playing poker. Um, you're teaching it. And I'm excited to hear about your experience, not only in running your own coaching program, which you've already done, but now you have a training site. Tell us about it. Tell us its name. What's going on there? Well, it's not a a training site per se. It's just more of like a a platform to let people know who I am, to be able to reach out to me. It's called blueprintpokercoaching.com. And, you know, it's more like a bio. I, I have one blog up there. I'm being super lazy about the blog, but I know. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, this is my log. This is my diary. Day, yeah. Day one was like four months ago. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, like, other than that, it's just a platform for people to get to know me. Um, an idea of like what I offer, which is, um, curriculum package it's a step-by-step uh program which includes five sessions to teach people the holistic uh strategy aspect of the game i have that and then i also created a construction course for my students that already went through the original program to teach them now the detailed mechanical aspects of the game to coincide with a macro aspect of the game Okay, that sounds right up our listeners, Ali. Tell us more about the construction course. How does it work? What are you teaching? What's the emphasis? Give us the, the, the detailed shakedown. So the reason for me creating this is very clearly acknowledging that a lot of my students, even though they had um, relative success in understanding the bigger picture of the game, a lot of them were struggling and like, certain close spots or details of the game that were constantly giving them trouble. And I went through this myself where like I, I learned the bigger picture. I just started implementing strategies based on what I saw, but there was no uh, leash, leech to it. Like I, it was just uncontrollable and their frequencies were way out of whack. So at some point in my career, I reached out to a, another coach and he taught me like all the little details of quote-unquote GTO and, like, playing in balance and stuff like that. Uh, and that's when I really started, like, really understanding how construction looks like in, in very specific detail. So I took it upon myself, um, recognizing that and creating a whole course to walk through all the students through a spreadsheet that I created that kind of, like, breaks down the ranges and combos that they need from street to street and walk them through, like, theoretical ways on how you're supposed to break down your ranges from street to street and we talk about polarized merge all that good fancy stuff in very specific detail Hmm. now that's that's something i feel that's fairly common is that there's some big area 
that a student of the game has missed. And what you're saying is the pool that you're dealing with needs some sort of remedial math, poker math, moving combinations around. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, because like a lot of people, what they learn is a lot of like tactical stuff. Um, and in my case, with my students, they they learn like the strategy, which with a tactical, they learn like floating, for example. And like that's one very small subset of move that you could pull. But if you don't do it within rhyme and reason within your available hands that is going to be afforded to you over and over, you're going to take it too far or too little. And that's not good, even though the move itself might be okay. And then when my students, they learn the strategy, they learn a whole bunch of sub components to put together a whole strategy. But within that is the same problem. If you don't know the available hands afforded to you throughout certain runouts over and over and over, at some point, you're going to do something too much or too little. And it's the same mistakes I see over and over in our pools where people go into the extremes. And that's where I usually capitalize a lot. I see. And and they probably don't know the, the super secret exact formula for, <laughs> for every street like we do, but we can't say on air, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we can't. That would that would be inappropriate. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna move along. That's awkward. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience teaching the course because I know you've taught privates. Are you are you in now? Are you doing it right now? Is the course going on? Yeah, I have some you know students that signed up for the construction course and we've gone through it. There's more that's gonna come. I'm thinking about maybe doing it more public and not just for people that have gone through the first curriculum, but. I just feel like the proper order is for them to learn the bigger picture and then the details. So debating that, yeah. You uh, you started using, or I know you were always a big Flopzilla guy, right? Yeah. And you, I mean, it showed because you knew your combinations really well. I noticed that from the first day that I, I met you. But you've moved on a little bit, and now you're looking at a solver. Tell us about that. Is it is it just a lark, or are you hiding in, in the basement? with it or what's going on (laughs) actually i got completely consumed by gto plus for like a month and i took one of my students tom and like we ran like a mini project of like correlating things that i already do and seeing if the solver does similar stuff and i was very happy to see that it did similar stuff so i'm like okay well at least i'm not completely freaking crazy so um (laughs) yeah so (laughs) So I just did, uh, we collected a lot of data. Like I, I did um, like a loose range, a tight range for opening and flatting, like relative ranges, just to see like like uh, common scenarios. And then I put a whole bunch of different boards of advantage, neutral, disadvantage, and just to see how the solver will play against like another solver and like what is it trying to expose and all that stuff. So I, I looked up all the... Uh, average betting frequencies that it takes and the checking frequencies and check raises and all that stuff, um, aggressive versus passive frequency. And we created like this like data spreadsheet just so I could see the averages. Um, <clears throat> and they coincide with a lot with, with what I was already thinking. So I'm like, all right, this is great. But now I'm getting like a more precise frequency and on different board sections on, on what is the average betting frequencies versus a passive action and how is it protecting its ranges from street to street. 
So I took that information and I added it also to like to coincide with the construction course to just help the whole formula and like thesis and all that stuff. Fair enough. Tell me one thing that you learned or surprised you during this process or what changed in your approach thanks to your work with the solver. Um, main thing that surprised me, I guess the on hold on, there's a mosquito trying to fucking kill me. Here in California, these bugs don't play around, man. We had to kill like two giant roaches that like try to come in the house and we stopped. I was going to say, it's, it's, that mosquito was called a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know you're trying to be nice on the phone, but okay, you can say these bad words. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so the biggest thing that surprised me, um, I guess the way it would protect is ranges with like card runouts. So for like, example, like sometimes a solver will take like on a neutral board, like queen, 10, seven, two tone. It'll take like pocket eights with a front door suit or pocket sixes with a front door suit, even though like six is like below like the last possible pair. Um, but it would take the front door suit property and like bet it. So it could have like card coverage on hard runouts and like six X runouts. Um, or in this case, which makes more sense, is like pocket eights because it could run a straight in the middle and you want to be able to block that and turn your hand into like a denial blocker to the nuts kind of property. But it would like stretch out like the whole entirety board to be able to cover the whole board and all possible runouts. So it'll take like these like hands and like mix them in some frequency. So it just kind of like, I guess, gave me an idea on like, um, different ways to protect like ranges and runouts like across the whole board. So that was pretty cool. And another thing that I found very valuable is that I, I inherently knew that like on low boards, like maybe eight, five, three, that even though like it hits the flattest range, it's not like a really complete uh, board. And anytime it comes Broadway, like it starts shifting the advantage to the other player because like there's no real like nuts on the other board it's just like a bunch of draws and like weak pairs that's vulnerable to overcards um so like inherently what i was doing is just like check calling or check raising like my overcards with backdoor suit properties and etc and I'm like, all right, let me see how the solver does it. And the solver does, like, very similar things. So, like, it, it drastically decreases its betting frequencies, but it still protects its range because it still has to continue a certain frequency with its range. But it, but instead of going to a passive action or check call with intentions later on based on board runouts. So it's really cool just to just see the solver do the same kind of idea. So that was awesome. Yeah, and to understand that protection isn't just a, a passive thing, but it can be through aggression. And speaking of aggression, the one thing that really struck me in thinking about you and how you play and how you teach your students to play is you use a lot of big bets. Um, so when you input those and looked for an equilibrium strategy or did your node locking or whatever, were you satisfied with what you had chosen to put so much aggressive money in with? Well, when I was running like with the solvers, um, like my typical strategy is like half bet strategies to two thirds for leverage and strategy. But um, 
like the the software like did similar things that I was doing. Um, I haven't explored a lot of the one third best strategy, but I kind of already have an idea of what it's trying to accomplish, which is trying to carry range from one street to another, and just protecting the vulnerable hands um, with a smaller sizing. So I I just know it's like a range um, efficiency aspect of a strategy game. Sure. So when you get out of the basement and you're not working with the solver, you're now in LA. Um, I mean, you're in, you're in, in, this is a good time. This is going to be fun. What, what are you doing? How are you enjoying? But you can't just always play poker. Well, um, I've gone to the beach. (laughs) Um, I've, I've gone to a lot of places where, uh, food is available. So my my <laughs> my stomach restaurants, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it could be food trucks, you know, it could be like the lady selling tacos down the street, you know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so see you gotta be diverse in your food options, man. <laughs> I I expect uh, you know, large amounts of high high end liquor, so I, I have to avoid these these things sometimes. <laughs> Um, they, don't, they don't sell enough liquor at the food trucks. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe we could advise them on their next uh, project. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> the beer truck. Yeah, sitting man. at sitting at the corner. I mean, why not? That would be that business would be crazy. They're gonna need a truck, not even like a freaking like those mini trucks. They need like a, a, a eighteen wheeler, man. Yeah, they've got them already. They already transport it. So just convert it. Exactly. <laughs> so many opportunities. And people will just love it in their neighborhood. They'll love the, the sound of the 18-wheeler coming through their development down oh, the street. It'll, it'll be, be like the ice cream truck, but for, like, grown-ups, you know? That's that's right. Think of all the happy middle-aged men that will be running out. <laughs> and we could get them out the house so they could actually jog that <laughs> house all day. So, yeah, exactly. All they need is more beer. Okay, so uh, you're everything's good. Everything's you know. What are the problems in your life now? What 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 you know? How we we talked to you last time. It was the struggle of the real player. His bankroll. How's the bankroll doing? What's the what's the what's the the scoop on business, Fausto? <laughs> so this coincides with what I've been doing. Like, um, besides my few beach trips and like eating all the time, I've just been like buying a bunch of like little things here and there, uh, filling up the apartment and just like uh, taking care of that and like helping my uh, girlfriend, you know, like take her a job because uh, she's we're still transitioning to driving full time for her. So I've, you know, I've been doing the boyfriend part and taking care of that and driving literally everywhere. Um, but it's been fun. And, um, and she's literally giving me the death stare right now. So I'm scared. You may not hear from me after this, but, uh, yeah, I've just been like, uh, busy, uh, just settling down. And then, uh, the only down part, I guess, is like, besides this last session, I've been getting like runner runner, like twice a session. So if it wasn't for that. Like, uh, uh the bankroll would be healthier, man. I just been spending a lot just like filling the house. So yeah, but like you know, we'll we'll take care of that with time. 
Okay. Well, the other part of your bankroll is, and any poker player's bankroll, is how they do in the World Series. So I want to go go back a month and a half and ask you, uh, what did you do for the World Series for, for tournaments and for cash, and how did it go? So tournaments are going to give me a heart attack. It's a love-hate relationship. I think... When you look at the cash percentage, uh, you know, people say the legends, they say like 20, 25% is like good, which is about what I've cashed, um, maybe a little bit higher. But monetarily, since the main is such a big chunk of the package, um, that put me in the net negative or like close to even, but like still losing. So that was that. So in in relative, in those terms, like I did okay, I, I guess, or good in terms of cashing percentage. But cash itself was uh, great. Um, I barely had a losing session. I, I think I won like eight, nine straight, straight sessions in a row. And then towards the tail end of me leaving Vegas, you know, they couldn't leave a happy ending, so they destroyed me for the next three, four sessions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, it was uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Tell me about the games themselves. What did you think of the play? Uh, then any new strategy developments you saw, uh, as we tend to do from year to year. Evalu- evaluate the games for me, and, and what what stakes and places you were playing. So since I played in all like three cap, the three main capitals of poker, I think uh, L.A., Vegas, and uh, New York. L.A. is like. I guess towards the bottom of my list in terms of the pool. Um, during the series, what I saw was a lot of um, taggy slash ABC strategy slash GTO strategy. A lot of people trying to do down bets. You know, I, I, I have to do a lot of counters to that, a lot of aggressive actions to that since I know what they're trying to accomplish. And then you got your typical like tags are just trying to like pick and find little good spots here and there, but their strategy is pretty predictable. So, you know, it was that. And then like you have that half and then the other half was just like crazy maniacs here and there. Uh, it was polarizing. It was like very maniac, crazy maniacs. And then like the really tight players. And the majority was like these like ABC tax slash GTO players, like all in the middle, like consuming the majority of the pool. So I think that's why I had relative good success. Like it was just like, I, I knew the strategy that I was trying to employ and everything worked out. So I would say it's like sort of tight, you know, those games. Everybody's trying to open a 15 or 20 bucks at 2.5, which is annoying. Because um, on, <laughs> on the East Coast, on the L.A., we don't play that, man. Minimum is 25, 30 plus, And maybe we're going multi-way five ways. Who knows? It's a jungle out there, man. Um, and we just fight. And if that's not enough, we got to bump it out of 50. You know? That's how we do it. And L.A. is that. Because it happens on the East Coast, except Borgata. Borgata is a special hell. Uh, East Coast plays like that like crazy. But L.A. is like that like two or three times like magnified. Like, and L.A. I got to constantly open to like 40 as my standard or 35 just to like even try to get heads up. If I do anything under that, under the, like the whole table and the next table is calling also. And you're talking about a 2-5 game. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. People want to gamble. People want to see flops. They want to play. 
Uh, now, when you're in Vegas and you're playing against this, you know, more cautious strategy, maybe more efficient strategy, who knows, depending on how they do it. Uh, what are your general counters to seeing the, the $15 open? And, you know, what, what do you do and what do you advise players do between uh, the different sizes that they see? Well, I kind of implement like my normal strategy in the sense that um, I know they're playing some form of risk-averse and they're trying to be efficient with their ranges. Um, the problem is that like these tags, ABCs, like in spots where like maybe they should be putting the triggers with certain blockers, like they don't. You know, some some call downs uh, within their range, they just don't do it. Uh, when encountering like a big like spot in terms of monetary goals, uh, monetary right. uh, money. They tend to cap their ranges a lot, you know? So, like, on runouts, like, I just destroy them um, when it's very obvious they're capped. Um, they take lines that is very um, clear they're never bluffing. They don't bluff enough, first of all. So their value never gets paid. So with them, I just continually put them on spots where, like, where they just don't want to fight. And I'm willing to fight at any given point, and they just don't fight. So I pick up a lot of dead money, and when it's very obvious that they're showing a lot of interest, I'm going to make sure I have it or have a super high equity hand that it's kind of whatever at that point. Um, so I'm going to be in the extreme pause when it's obvious they're interested. Yeah. And the GTO guys, like, I don't want to completely bucket them in, like, just GTO, but, like, when it's obvious somebody's, like, down betting, like, consistently and it's clear what they're trying to implement, it's like, okay, you know, like, you're doing what the solver told you, you learned this one part of the game, and that's it, and you're trying to implement it, like, in all boards and parts of your range that probably shouldn't work like this, but they do anyways. <clears throat> so with them, I just do a lot of merge, check raising and raising, and force them throughout the streets to like make decisions um, versus aggression where I know a lot of people are not doing that against them. Um, but I know it's a necessary part of the game where I'm willing to go down that tree decision um, and force them into spots that they're not used to. Yeah. Very well said and very reasonable. Generally, people are copying something and don't know where it leads. Where, you know, how many players do you think on average, you try to execute this style and your games really are tough and are executing actual principles and, you know, have an answer to your aggression. I mean, I don't have an estimate or percentage of saying like this much of the pool actually knows what they're doing. Um, but from my experience, a vast majority don't know what they're doing. Um, there's like one guy at the bike that I saw implementing it pretty good because he's, he's like pretty sticky along all the streets and forcing me to like actually commit where I'm trying to do the same thing to him. So it becomes like a lot of like merging wars throughout flop turn and river. So it gets pretty tricky pretty quick. Um, so he's like one out of like many players that I've played against that um, kind of makes it difficult. But I guess his mistake, if any, is that he's probably taking it too far. So I just got to tone it down just a little bit, knowing that he's like over adjusting to me. Um, but for the vast majority of players that have been trying to do it, 
You know, like maybe they'll call flop a lot, but they give up the term way too often, you know, because um, like they recognize like at this moment on the flop, I probably don't have shit and they probably have ace high and they're defending, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anytime like they don't pick up any close to remote equity, it just comes like a basically a blank turn. They're just giving up, whereas they shouldn't, you know. Right. Um, or they should like recapitalize in some form of facet because... They're just making it very easy. All I got to do is race and bet the next turn almost at 100%, and they're not going to do anything. So, you know, that's what I've seen a lot. And usually when I start doing that, they either, like, stop their shit altogether or they keep trying. I'm just going to keep pressing that button until one of us stacks each other. Sounds very good. The games are still alive is what you're saying. and if They're you're super alive. <laughs> They are extremely alive. When people say the game is dead, I feel like everybody's just freaking lazy. They don't want to do the work. Like, they just want to show up and make money. Like, shit don't work like that. Like, you got to put the time and, like, learn this game and, like, play, man. Like, everything has a counter and a weakness. Everything. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's, like, optimal. Everybody has some glaring weakness somewhere you can't show up and expect people to do mistakes for you you have to force them into mistakes i'm tired of saying this man you got to get in their fight <laughs> wow i hear some passion there in addition to the uh restaurant you've apparently moved into you uh let's let's build on that just a little bit is this something you know even as you go through the solver and sort of <laughs> recalibrate and refine your strategy uh are you going to continue to be in a very aggressive player or are you going to be changing in the way uh some of the other talented players are i have started doing down bets at three bet four bet oh my god yeah man (laughs) that's the only thing um but like slightly like very slightly like because like there's spots where like I, I have to get range through and like leverage is like like SPR is like three. And it's uh, like okay, I guess I'm gonna have to bet smaller now. <laughs> I don't really have a choice. <laughs> but it's just spots like that. But yes, I am gonna I should do a lot of aggressive actions. Cause the thing is like we're still playing with humans, right? And people uh, people are naturally risk averse. And when they get pushed to the point where they have to fight or not, they revert back to their natural uh, state of mind, you know, which with a lot of people is being scared and they freak out. And then once you put them to that, like they, they may start making mistakes, whether it's playing too transparent, too passively or too aggressively, like you push them into the extremes and then the counter to beat them is extremely easy. Yeah. Let's go a different, go down a slightly different route and ask you, um, what else, what else are you doing besides looking at the solver to, improve your game you say you have to get in there and study what what does a poker coach and and really a super reg like yourself do are you involved with any training are you still getting coaching uh what's the deal there i'm not like super super heavy doing the solver thing i kind of just use it to like see averages and trends and um sort of what the more or less average frequency it takes to certain parts of the ranges, like check raises, uh, double barrels, all that stuff. As far as training, I just do a lot of like theoretical work and a lot of splitting of ranges throughout mm. streets as a defender, as the aggressor, as a three better, all that stuff, just to see <clears throat> how I could split my ranges in a default manner or in a theoretical manner where I'm trying to like 
include a check 100% range or or include um, uh, maybe a, a down bet with like with a majority of my range and see how that splits later on. But a lot of stuff like that. And uh, most of my training um, uh, beyond that is like working with like Matt Berkey or like doing a software Y work on their sub site or some facet like that. That's a good subject. You know, to me, he's changed his approach. The Academy has changed their approach over the years. Could you comment on maybe the difference or if there, if you don't, if you were to, maybe you disagree, what is the difference between what solve for why did in like 2016 and what they're doing in 2019? I think they're addressing more of like the details of the game instead of like honing in so much on the holistic strategy, which was they do in the Academy. Uh, but once that's already understood as like a norm or as a foundational to everything, it's really important to understand the details. So that's where like the subsite or even the academy has dedicated some time to like work on the exact details on how ranges and splits should look like and what hands should be contained and under and clearly understanding important uh, topics like blockers and like why, you know, and like how how and where it should exist and um, how it functions, whether your hand should be a bluff or a bluff catcher or something like that. So they really harp on the details um, on that to really hone in everything together. Okay. So you, you're sort of moving with them. It's kind of a, a wave towards maybe a little bit more precision. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they spoke a lot about the holistic stuff, but... It's a lot more uh, precision and details lately, and now, they uh, sorry, and they cope that with like proving that with like some form of like solver work in some aspect. Do you find that your swings are different as you change and evolve? Yeah, for sure. Before my swings will be like constantly having to buy in like upwards of like two k plus. And then, like, I would overcome that and, like, have a net to be winning. But now, like, sometimes it's rare that I have to buy in past, like, uh, 1500 or even that 2K. Like, it's rare now. Like, or, hmm. or the session goes on longer where I don't have to keep dipping in and, like, buying for that much because I'm just more precise and controlled. Even though I'm still able to demonstrate a lot of aggression in different parts of the game, to allow me to get paid and keep up this illusion and image uh, that I portray at the table. Well, that's interesting. I mean, you can't have it all. Has your image changed? No, it's still aggressive. It's just like, like before, like maybe I don't know, two years ago, like I would just take a lot more spots just because I recognize it. But now it's like I recognize the spot, but I also understand that I don't have to take it in this particular time because my candidate sucks. You know, like I see the range aspect. I see what's happening. I see the strategy my opponent is doing. I know the counter, but it will come, and I don't have to take it right now. So I'll just pass off on it. Wow. You're all grown up. <laughs> I am, man. I got rent to fucking pay, man. I can't be doing all this previous Fausto Dominican craziness. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta be a grown up, man. Well, you're gonna 
do well if that's how you're trending, I think. And what that's going to mean is more and more 510 and bigger. Uh, what's the plan there? How, how are you, whatever do you see yourself playing in six months after settling in? Definitely 510, at least on my own dime. Like, I play it, but I, I sell some action uh, just so I could get accustomed to the sizing, the stakes, the player pool, all that good stuff. So when I do play it on my own dime, everything will be good. I could shot take now, but like I'm not trying to push it. Uh, I'm just trying to keep everything manageable, especially since I just came here and trying to get used to the cash flow of things of like buying stuff, paying rent and all that stuff. Once all that's settled and I continue just grinding, I'll easily be playing that in six months um, and just continue from there. And then hopefully jump on the stream, play higher, all that fun stuff. Okay, and that's what we want to see. We yeah, want to see you play on like a hundred K pop, man. So I want to have you. I want to have you back on this podcast to discuss your stream appearance. So you, you get you get to choose the next time you come on because you could get on stream a month from now, or you could pussyfoot around and it could be a year from now. Nah, but, man. Uh, we're doing it six months. You know what? That's gonna be our goal. All right. Six that's... months from now, you guys heard it now. We're playing 510 or higher, and we're going to be on the stream at some point. And then we're going to come back here. That's, that's what I want to see. I want the exclusive. I want the breakdown. Uh, Fausto, it's been great. Do you have anything else you want to tell anyone? Reach out to me. Stop slacking. Invest in yourself. Get coaching. Platano Poker. Nah. <laughs> BlueprintPokerCoaching.com. Or you can reach out to me in my email, FaustoValdez123 at gmail.com, if you have any questions. Get the get the secret sauce. All right, that very good. That good. All right, <laughs> that's that's good. in the sauce. Uh, that's that's gonna do it for the for today's zoo. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and I will catch you next week. Peace. We would like to thank you also for making the Poker Zoo part of your weekly poker podcast diet. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast aggregator so that you are delivered a copy of the show each time a new one comes out. If you would like to be part of the Poker Zoo online games, uh, you can contact Persuadio or Porter on Twitter or just leave a note on the website and we'll make sure you know how to hook up with us there. And of course, we have yet to have a caller on the Zoo hotline, 410-775-6224, 410-775-6224. Please call, leave some kind of witty remark or scathing review of the nameless announcer and uh, if it's entertaining enough we will put it on the podcast so with that we will see you next week